Good day, everybody. Happy Monday. Montag to the Krauts. Hope you are doing well. Uh, hope you had a restful or productive weekend. I find weekends that are productive while not as restorative on like, you know, my mind or my body are much better on my mind. You know, like getting stuff done uh, definitely feels good. Like there's something to that. You know, I talk about that from like an anxiety and stress standpoint, you know, for me, uh, it's just, it's not even close. Like at the time it's like, Ugh, I just wanted to relax today, but ultimately I end up pretty happy. Um, you know, Monday, what, you know, Sunday night when I finally do kind of get ready to relax I got so much done that it feels good, you know, lots to talk about from this weekend. Uh, Shane Gillis on Saturday night live. I thought, you know, perhaps I'll give my honest feedback on his performance. I thought it was good, not great. I think that uh, could have been better. I think that most of the time, the sketches on SNL are hit or miss. Now, I haven't watched SNL in 10 years, but I can kind of tell by the ratings and by the clips I see on Twitter that most of them are bad. I thought Shane's uh, best bit got cut. His best bit was the Limu Emu, like the dark uh, e Emu bit, um, which SNL did not air, but they put it on Twitter, which was... I guess a thing. Um, his monologue, he was very clearly nervous. Um, I, I didn't, I didn't watch it live. I just watched whatever clips were associated with Shane Gillis on YouTube or rumble and Twitter just to see how his sketches were. Some of them were okay. Some of them were not that great. There was one where he's like in a, they're in Jamaica and he's like in a Jamaican church was not funny at all. One where he's like uh, on a game show, but he doesn't know what black people look like or something. It was really not funny at all. Either one of them could have been replaced with uh, the Limu Emu one, which was actually funny. What'd you all get up to this weekend? By the way, shout out to... We are streaming on... Right now, for the first half of the show, we are on X, my Facebook page, and Instagram, maybe? I don't know if the Instagram Live worked or not. If you're watching on Instagram, leave a comment. I see that it's working on Twitter and on the Facebook page, for sure. So I don't know if it's working on Instagram. But obviously the, the reasoning for that is to try and, you know, build the show. I'll probably also, I don't know which page I'm going to use, but I will probably also do something with YouTube for the, just the first part of the show. 
just to, you know, see if people are out there. I see a few people watching on Facebook. Super, is it Super Tuesday this week? Switzerland Play IT says, Ahoy all, she got told in her face that I have a crush on her, but she still doubts. I don't, is there more to that story that I have not followed? I caught up on sleep last week and it was awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, Sundays, I usually do that. Like Sundays, I usually catch up on that is to, I'm going to use yeah. Sundays are uh, usually when I catch, I go to sleep super early. I watched, um, last night I watched the holdovers. I thought it was very good. I thought it was very good. I see Victor over on Facebook. Shout out. I'm sorry, Meta. I don't know. It's Facebook still to me. Super Tuesday's next week. Okay. Is Locals not working again? Nope, Locals is working. Shout out to Raven Black Dove, Brian, Bidenomics I see in there, Jammers in there, Mickey Knox, Going Postal. Levity's in there, Swuff's in there. Usual basement dwellers. Let's start with some interesting, some very interesting comments that I thought were kind of sad. Well, first, let's just go in order. Um, over the weekend, Shane Gillis hosted Saturday Night Live. I don't know what the ratings were. Um, I don't know if that's something they release every week. I assume it was on the high side. You know, not Chappelle-like numbers, but Shane Gillis is very popular with a pretty, like, strong set of people. And uh, some of the bits were funny. This HR bit was actually pretty funny, where he's, like, asking about, if he could, how many times he could ask a woman out before it was harassment at work. That was funny. And to be honest with you, even though the Trump shoes bit was making fun of Trump, uh, it was hilarious. Like the, the Trump shoes thing was pretty funny. Especially because at the very end of the clip, they actually criticized they actually criticized Biden, which is rare for Saturday Night Live. So essentially, Trump shoes give you the superpower of not actually, uh, not actually being good at something, but being convinced that you are, and convincing others that you are. And then the Biden shoes just made made this guy get old and fall over immediately. It was pretty funny. Um, but the media. The floor was not funny. That skit was not funny. Um, that's some weird game show on like Fox. I don't know. I don't. I don't watch. Like Saturday night, I was hanging out with friends. I wasn't watching Saturday Night Live. Actually, I was probably home by this by this time. 
they touched on his Trump impression a little bit during the Trump sneakers bit, which was, you know, pretty funny. But all the articles call it like, you see, host Shane Gillis delivers mixed bag of results and cringe in Saturday Night Live return. I, I don't think it was cringe. There were people, this person who was apparently at the event said that, you know, the crowd didn't really know what to do, like if they could laugh at certain jokes. He's Shane Giltz gets his predictably dire SNL debut. One thing I'll say is during his monologue, he was very, you could see he's very nervous. But every, every single major media outlet was like overselling it as a complete disaster. By the way, I saw the cold open, which is I, th I thought had the host in it, but I guess not. That was not funny at all. Um, and then this says Shane Gillis bombs on SNL with Down syndrome and gay jokes. Again, I don't think, you know, his monologue did not go great, but I wouldn't say that it was terrible. Shane Gillis opens with several jokes about Downs. Even the New York Post was like, oh my God, this is, we're so, I'm so offended by this. I'm offended by this and therefore you should also be offended by this. Is essentially what, you know, SNL, which is what the media was saying. Most people in the comments, headline, comedian makes jokes. Okay, and I'm sure his niece loved it. Y'all need to learn and laugh more. Realize that not everything comes from a place of hate. Are we not allowed to laugh anymore? We, he humanized them. The power of humor. Don't let jokes get you down. That's underrated comment. They should fire this guy. Pat, I've spent a few days in Florida and then drove from Fort Lauderdale to Boston. That's a long drive. Welcome back, Pat. Shane is like, he's very popular in a, in a certain subset, like the Rogan sphere. I don't, I'm not one that really, it's been a long time since I cared about comedy, you know, like stand-up comedy, to be honest. It's kind of made a sort of comeback, but like, even a guy like Shane Gillis, I can't be bothered to watch his special or this or that. I'm fine just seeing clips here or there on the internet. The one, the one gripe that I had as somebody who has consumed a decent amount of Shane Gillis is that he just retold all his, all the jokes in his monologue that we've all heard before. But that's, that's actually the advice that Louis C.K. told him. Louis C.K. said, take your most, like, take your most popular jokes from all your specials and tell them on Saturday Night Live because none of those people have probably seen your specials. So that's probably true, you know? Because he told the whole, the same Down Syndrome joke that we've all heard a million times before. Um, but, you know, the Saturday Night Live crowd, people probably didn't hear that, you know? Joking about Downs, really, SNL? Never have this horrible person on again. I mean... Okay. Shane Gill's bombing on SNL is the funniest thing he could have done. This is incredible. Shane Gill's was uncomfortable, but those jokes are still on point and funny. 
kind of funny that SNL fired Shane Gillis for doing offensive accents on his podcast. And in the very first sketch, he does an offensive accent. I mean, yeah, the Limu Emu one is, is really funny. That one is really funny. It's basically like a kind of a ripoff of um, Training Day, kind of. Shane Gillis hosts SNL not with a bang, but a meh. This sketch was dumb, not funny at all. Um, but like I would say like five out of the seven, four out of the seven that I saw were pretty funny. Collider. Shane Gillis makes these SNL sketches funny, but just barely. Not a single media outlet said anything positive about him. None. Shane Gillis struggles in Saturday Night Live monologue, which avoids the obvious. What is the obvious? Did th these people wanted him to go up there and like apologize or something? I don't. I don't really know what 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 exactly. The, excuse me. What they wanted him to do. I haven't watched Saturday Night Live in. I don't know. Twenty years since Norm was on. Probably that was like the last time I would see. I would probably say that I actually watched the show. But these people don't like Shane Gillis anyway. So you see this like, unfortunately, I spent time listening to some of his podcast material before the SNL episode. So I felt more cynical watching him joke about how his sister adopted three black children and married an Egyptian man. So visiting their houses is like the craziest Uber pool you've ever been in. Or seeing him reference how he and his family established a coffee shop in their hometown where people with Down syndrome can work. Or the fact that he got his biggest laugh where he imagined his niece with Down syndrome being insulted by a white kid at a school and then a group of three black kids come flying out of nowhere and start wailing on that cracker. Why exactly would they do that? And why does race matter here? What do you mean? They'd be defending their sister, you idiot. Like It's like NPR purposely ignored... The, the point of the joke was that they, they ignored the part where they said that he couldn't, these kids wouldn't let his, her play because, you know, because of her, her mental condition. And then her de brothers defended her. That was the joke. And they purposely cut out the first part of that joke. You know, the... They all love the Trump sneakers sketch, but what's funny about the Trump sneakers sketch is that all it does is prove that these sneakers really got to him. Like, really, really bugged him. <laughs> like, the, you know... Making the Hair Force ones in no time. The Handshake Pull, Air Bidens. Like, everybody loved. This is the funniest SNL's been in a while. Shane is so good. Makes you believe you won. So perfect. Shane's Trump is so much better than the other Trump. Which is probably what they were really hoping for. And at the very end, they give you some Biden sneakers. I think we've done a wonderful... White men can Trump. Yeah, Air Bidens. Now pass me in the rock. Here we go. Uh-oh. I mean, like, 
at least like two minutes and 48 seconds of the th two minutes and 51 seconds of the skit was making fun of Trump. But at least they snuck in that three second Biden joke at the end. Right. Carbonated Bear says breaking news. People who hate Shane Gillis hated his jokes on SNL. That that about sums it up. Shane's shtick was drinking Bud Light before they gave Dylan any money. Yeah, no kidding. He's always he's always been a Bud Light guy. I assume you're arguing with somebody else in chat. Just anybody who actually watched Shane Gillis' SNL monologue and enjoys comedy knows he did not bomb and it was not cringe. I I would actually argue that I'm not gonna sit here and play the eight minute monologue, but if you watch it, it wasn't that great. It really wasn't. And he was very clearly nervous. And he was, you know, I'm not going to pretend that, uh, you know, he just absolutely killed it up there. He didn't. He told a couple of his good standby jokes. He was very nervous, pacing around. You know, he did, he did okay. He did not get like, you know, he didn't get like crazy. Rather, shout out to everybody in the, looks like the Facebook chat popping off over there. My uncle's over there. I see that. That's interesting. We'll see. Now, here's a very interesting story from this past week that I want to talk about it because it, it is really hilarious. And, of course, it, it portrays a, two different multimillionaire streamers. Uh, you know, two multimillionaire streamers complaining about being, I don't know, tired having uh apparently their soul destroyed by sitting on their computer and uh making millions of dollars over the weekend we were all treated to some profoundly out of touch profoundly pleased for the love of all that you believe and read the room comments from multi-millionaire streamers uh, about essentially how their job was difficult. Uh, it was hilarious. Now, I'm not going to pretend that there isn't a grind surrounding streaming or even what I do, which is a combination of streaming every day at 1 o'clock Eastern on rumble.com slash C as in Charlie slash the quartering. You know, it's not all super easy, but there's an element to reading the room that these multi-millionaire streamers just failed to do. Most of these streamers, like for example, um, Asmongold, whom I do like, but he weighed in on it also with a weird take. Hassan, 
They make all of their money off people that are living paycheck to paycheck. Hassan Piker, who is a millionaire communist streamer who was born into extreme wealth and took a private jet to Coachella, referred to his job as more soul-sucking than any job on the planet, essentially. Again, I want to remind you, this is Hassan Piker taking a private jet to Coachella because he is a principled anti-capitalist. The whole hullabaloo got kicked off with this clip. Um, this clip of Hassan Piker and everyone else kind of weighing in on it. And again, I'm not going to pretend that there isn't a grind to this, but nobody wants to hear it. Nobody wants to hear about the grind of streaming when you make YouTube videos or when you're um, a streamer who has servants who lives in a multi-million dollar mansion in the Beverly Hills, drives a $200,000 car. Nobody wants to hear about how hard your job is. Do you think anyone wants to hear from a CEO about how hard their job is, even though their pay package is $40 million? No. This is what Hassan says. Yes, a real job can be gruesome. A real job can make you very tired. But a real job doesn't suck the soul out of you. You know what I mean? What? What? Ask that to somebody who you know, uh, does work placement, works as a social worker. Ask, ask, ask anybody who does social work uh, or if they work in child protective services like the non-corrupt people that work there. Or uh, ask anybody who might work um, as a medic or an EMT or um, a sales job. Or I don't know, I could literally do this all day. The idea that sitting in your computer, leaning back in your chair for eight hours a day, whenever you feel like it, is more difficult than literally any job is absurd. Are there days where I'm tired or I, the grind gets to me? Of course, okay? And then I look out my back window and I see the fruits of my labor and I slap myself in the face and say, quit whining about it. This guy's dad is a multi, multi, multi-millionaire. Hassan Piker is a multi-millionaire. And he's going on the internet whining about having to work. Seamus writes, Hassan has a fake job and he's still bad at it. Um... You see this too. Uh -huh. You know, Mahler writes, a real job doesn't suck the soul out of you is such a self-report. No matter how difficult YouTube gets to maintain as a job, be it streaming or video editing, I'll never forget my job in the hellscape that was the toy store and how I had it, how it harvested souls by design. Critical Drinker saying, considering Hassan has never actually worked a real job in his entire life, I'm not surprised he finds it hard to compare them. He has not worked a real job. Even XQC, right? XQC reacts to Hassan saying a real job isn't soul-sucking like streaming. Yes, a real job can be gruesome. A real job can make you very tired. 
but a real job doesn't suck the soul out of you. You know what I mean? Oh, try a sales job. Oh, nah. Oh, nah. Yo, yo. How about I match his salary for a month and he gets a sales job? Oof. Yeah, go try selling cars. Go be a pediatric nurse. And like, again, I like Asmongold. Okay, I do. I do. I like Asmund. And his take was essentially a 17-minute video saying that streaming is socially draining. And the dis and, and in a rare, it is extremely rare that Asmongold has this many dislikes. But, you know, it's 1.7 thousand dislikes, 1.8 thousand. I mean, again, I'm not going to pretend that, like, I, I said Asmund is a multimillionaire, even though he tries to conceal that. He doesn't. He openly does say he's a multimillionaire, but I, you know, he doesn't spend money on literally anything. People don't want to hear complaints from millionaires about how hard sitting in front of a computer is. Yes, again, I'm not saying that it it could. I'm not saying. Um, and again, I like Asmongold. It's just a weird take. It's like it's a little bit of not reading the room and you know a lot of these people who are online are not great they've never been in the real world i don't know if asmongold has had a real job or not but i know hassan hasn't i think that they probably don't interact with people who are not streamers like imagine me going to my going to dart league okay this is why like i don't even tell people what i do for a living like if i went to dart league and some dude is like talking about how he's sore because he had to work 14 hours that day um, doing excavating or plumbing or cabinetry or, or HVAC or whatever. He had a brutal day at work. Imagine me being like, oh man, yeah. Yeah, brother, man. I streamed for eight hours today too. And he says, what's, um, what's that? And I say, Oh, I just sit on my computer and watch other people's videos. And then sometimes I play video games. <laughs> Can you imagine? That's why I purposely like, I don't, I don't hang out with internet people. I don't, I hang out with regular people. I make sure, um, you know, I make sure that I interact with regular people to stay grounded. Like that's an important thing to me. These people have been terminal, like, you see this, Hassan, if terminally online people and Redditors didn't exist. Like, everyone's just dunking on him. And then, like, then his weird, like, <laughs> Hassan is 100% correct. I've worked so many different jobs. And streaming annihilates your social battery. Nobody who's ever struggled in their life refers to having a social battery. Nobody. Nobody would ever, nobody with any real difficulty in their life would complain about their social battery life. One of the few negatives of an under otherwise fantastic job. I don't even see how this is controversial. What? You don't see how it's controversial? Are you out of your mind? <laughs> Salty cracker, social battery, another dumb term for weak uh, wusses to cry about. If you can stream for a living, thank everyone in your audience and 
STFU, which is a hundred percent correct. That's what I mean. Like, you know, like you get that, like nobody wants to hear streamers complain. Nobody. By the way, streamers that go to music festivals, most people could never even afford to go to and take private jets to do it. Right. If you're one of like the 14 year old neats that like that, you know, watch this guy, I don't understand. Mudahar writing, seeing the origin of the discourse still has me disagreeing. I don't doubt the quote social battery draining, but in most jobs, you don't have the luxury of turning off a stream or blocking out people. YouTube isn't my job. Six days a week, I'm up early from sunrise to sunset. I'm mostly in meetings and overseeing operations for my company. I wish my job could be turned off sometimes or I could skip a meeting with some time, some sometime irrational clients. I don't know. Maybe I'm old school, but streaming slash YouTube will always appear to be a privileged job compared to the soulless nine to five. It's not that you're old school. Here's Hassan traveling with a piece of luggage that probably costs more than most of us make a month or a year. These guys are full of it. Community reacts as Forsen, also another very popular rich streamer, agrees with Hassan's controversial opinion on jobs. Why are you guys complaining about Monday? This ain't so hard. Just do this. Work at a supermarket like in, in the game for eight hours. Easy. I bet you even have breaks. Now, I'm not saying like... I'm not saying, again, that there aren't negatives to you know being online the idea of you know draining your social battery i i think that only some weirdo terminally online person would use that kind of language um when i stream or work all day okay and i go out i have the same amount of like uh interest the same amount of energy as i would any other day like the idea that people would even bring that up. Like when I go to darts, I have a blast it because it's different. By the way, he also claimed he's makes as much as a doctor, which is not true. He makes millions a year. You see, it's not like a rose for claiming streaming is harder than a real job. Again, I'm not saying I'm not saying there are not difficult aspects to creating content, in particular, the kind where you have to be online eight hours a day or whatever, seven hours a day. I get that. But let's, I mean, Hassan Abi lays, lays, lays back in his chair, watches Vice documentaries, and eats dino nuggets. That's what he does for a living. That is not stressful. He's not crunching numbers for eight hours a day. He's not even... I wouldn't even call what he does anywhere near as stressful as, as having to like play video games at a high level, right? Like playing ranked, you know, CSGO or something like that, where you have to be dialed in all day long. That is actually draining. What, what Hassan does is lean back in his chair and say, Ma! Ma! Get my DoorDash, Ma! Mom, my DoorDash is here. Can you get my DoorDash, Mom? Yeah, you can take my $200,000 Porsche to go pick up my tailoring. Thank you, assistant. I mean, before I got to a point where I could pay the bills doing what I do now, 
I worked full time and I created content full time and I did that for years. Now, of course, Hassan says, you know, this guy makes up uh, lies for nine hours a day and his commute to work is walking into his fifth bedroom in his third in his three million dollar mansion. But sometimes it's hard. Well, I mean, sh that's correct. It's wild how completely out of context could made its way to Twitter so fast. I was talking about the nine hour stream eats away at my social battery and how I can't socialize after comparing it to my sales job before. I recognize how fortunate I am every day. Uh-huh. That's not what you said. You said no job will drain your social battery like streaming. Anybody, we'll just leave it like this. Anybody who refers to having a social battery is not a real human. They are not a serious person. And you should not give them your money. And you should not give them your time. Because they don't respect you at all. Switzerland places. That's why I love you, Jeremy. You're based. Everybody who can, join the basement. Click on the button. I agree. Join the basement. It's like, uh, it's like when streamers whine about money. Nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to hear that. Period. You know? It's just, it's just like this thing. It's just this thing that you have to acknowledge as somebody who is extremely fortunate. You know, you have to acknowledge that you're very lucky to be able to, you know, create content for a living. Raven Black Dub for five says, hey, Jeremy, there's one man indie game developer with Kickstarter that's 76% funded with only four days left. He was the first dev that came to our stream while we were, while we played his game and we really want him to succeed. Can you shout out? Here's the thing, Raven Black Dove. I know this might bother you. I don't really shout out Kickstarters or GoFundMes because I then I feel like my, you know, the project may not deliver. It may not be, you know, there may be some hard feelings like, oh, Jeremy told me to back this and they never delivered the game or something like that. It, it creates like, um, I'll do it. But then I'll do it, I'll show it, but just so then everybody knows, like I am not doing, this isn't a personal endorsement by me. He looks pretty close. So you can check out this Kickstarter called The Edge of Allegoria, retro-inspired 2D-based, turn-based RPG. And it is no effing kids game. So if people want to check that out, Ubas. That looks cool. That looks cool. It looks very similar to Earthbound or Zelda. But it's got its own stuff going. Cool. 
I don't know if you guys were all watching this. Or OG Pokemon, yeah. Thanks for understanding, dude. I really appreciate the, like, you know, the gorilla trying to help out, you know, marketing stuff. It's, um, it's like every time I shout out a, a GoFundMe or something, I get a hundred emails from people who are like, can you shout out my GoFundMe? And then I'm like, it's, it's not that I don't want to. It's just that I don't know if you're telling the truth or not. I don't know anything about their situation. So just so pe people know in the future, if you've ever like emailed me a GoFundMe or this, that, or the other thing, I mean, I might donate to it personally, but I generally don't. I generally don't share that because I try to protect my viewers, you know? Not to say that that game isn't cool. It does look cool. And I, I may just personally, if you email me, I may personally throw him some money. He's good people and he's worked really hard on this. Okay. Yeah, tell him to email me and I'll, I'll back his game personally. Swexit, you are epic. Okay. I don't know if you guys saw the hilarity going on this weekend with libs of TikTok, but um, there's essentially an article that t that Taylor Lorenz wrote that tried to pin the passing of a young student on her on on Chaya's Twitter account, essentially. Now, this may be controversial, and I, I don't I don't want it to sound like sour grapes, but can I can I share something with you all? This isn't me like blasting anybody or telling anyone to unfollow or or whatever. But when I see these two sitting at a table, like I just see two Karen's. Now, you might be repulsed by that and strongly disagree, but I've seen libs of TikTok kind of transition <laughs> over the past like six months now where she's trying to get people fired all the time on Twitter. Like, I don't like that. I understand it, but I think wearing the the Taylor crying t-shirt is pretty funny. I do. I think bringing masks to the meeting is kind of cringe. And like, that's like boomer, not even boomer here. I think it's just cringe. Like if you're going to do an interview with her, like don't be a bitch. That's my opinion. But also she has every right to like, not like this chick, you know, cause Taylor Lorenz has said heinous things about Chaya hundred percent. Like she has said she, in this article, even she tries to jacket her or pin this passing, a, a terrible passing. Essentially what happened was a young student. Yeah. Two negatively charged Karens. Yeah. That's how I feel. People getting fired that are grooming kids in school, Jeremy. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, uh, I'm talking about like, 
when people send her mean messages on her open DMs and then she posts it and asks her followers to find out where they work. You know, I'll give her some grace. Like, again, I'm just, I just, I'm just being, uh, the email is just according at gmail.com. Turnabout is fair play. I know. Again, I'm not saying like cancel her or unfollow her. I just, I don't want her to go further down that rabbit hole of posting anonymous internet weirdos and then asking her followers to find out where they work. You can say it's a bad take and that's fine. It's just me being honest about my take or me being honest. You know, you can totally disagree. I, I don't care if she go, goes after weirdo teachers or goes after books, but this whole, Hey, here's this person, you know, let's find out where they work and then tag their boss. I don't like that. That's what the left does. Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan. Yeah. <laughs> That's all. I don't care if she gets, uh, you know, weirdo teachers. I don't care if she outs them, you know. And again, like I said, it's a mild criticism. When you get doxxed by half the media, media half a dozen times and hunted down, I would honestly do the same. I believe she was doxxed one time, right? Has she been doxxed since, the, <clears throat> since then? Has there been... Yeah, call on all the groomers you want. 100% call out like the weirdo teachers who are doing weird stuff, all that kind of stuff. 100% support all of that. 100%. I just don't want her to go too far down the, hey, here's, a, here's an anonymous person on the internet that said something mean to me. Let's find out where they work. Because she absolutely has been doing that. Um... And they're always like some internet rando, you know? Like, I don't like that. But the interview has some pretty interesting moments. I think, um, I think Chaya brought up some good points where essentially, um, uh, what is, I don't understand this Mel Gibson spam. What is, I mean, like, what is that? I don't understand. There is something to be said for fighting fire with fire. I know. And over the years, I've gotten like more, I feel like I've gotten more tolerant of like, I feel like I've gotten more tolerant of fighting fire with fire a little bit. Like, I understand that. But now, like, Chai is not just some, like, internet rando. She's got big money behind her. She's collecting, she's making lots of money, and I'm happy for her. But now it's kind of like you, she really shouldn't be using her Twitter account to get random, you know, $12 an hour employees at Hot Topic fired. That kind of stuff. If you click, then you'll give up your login credentials. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. 
You say you can sneak conservative to fight fire with fire, and then you dog them for laying over, but then you criticize someone for using liberal messages against them. That is a weird interpretation of what I said. I, I mean, what I'm saying has some nuance to it. I'm saying I understand, you know, bringing out the teachers or these people who are going after kids. Is she actually doing that, though? A hundred percent. Yeah, of course. What is her? Well, how do you how do you spell her name? Again, she's not the enemy. I just don't want I just don't want her to go too far down that that you know. What is? How do I spell her name? C H Chaya. Because uh, it's her. Yeah. Chaya. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, I like that kind of stuff, but like, I saw it going on like last week. Maybe she deleted it. Hopefully, she did. There was a there was a while where she's like, "Hey, everybody, tell me who this person is." And then taking their jobs. Hmm. It's obviously not a major issue. I just, you know, for my own peace, for my own sanity, I know I saw it. But she tweets so much. It's hard to get it back. Anyway, just, yeah, keep fighting the good fight. 100% happy for her. Just don't, you know. Here, how about this? Anybody know who this person is? You know, like. Now, I get that this is a pretty spicy. There's a very spicy tweet calling for an assassination. Okay, maybe that's okay. Maybe that one deserved it. I didn't look at the tweet. Maybe that one's okay. Maybe that one's okay. If you're calling for someone to assassinate you, yeah, I suppose that's probably okay to put them on blast. So maybe it isn't that bad. Maybe it wasn't that bad. Yeah, okay. Maybe not. Maybe it's not that bad. If you threaten to do this, I will find out everything about you. I will contact your employer. I will contact your parents. If you're a kid, I will contact authorities in your area. Oh, here's another one. Hi, Eric Smith. I reached out to your employer and let them know that you threatened to end people on the internet. Doubt they want that liability. See, this is like what the left does. You know? So that was two different people last week at least, and that was February 20th. I understand, like, there's so many worse things. There are so many worse things, but, like, you know. Send me an email. Okay, cool. Anyway, the interview, I think, went very well for Chaya uh, and Libs of TikTok. And, you know, what's interesting is she did point out, like, 
you know, Taylor Lorenz basically said, hey, there, there are all sorts of these, you know, bomb threats that happened because you tweeted it. Join the dark side journey. Yeah. I think you deserve it if you threaten someone's life. <sighs> yeah, I mean, contacting their employer, all this kind of stuff. I mean, if you really believe the threat was real, then you would contact police, I guess. Yeah, all right. You know, if you really believe the threat is real, then you should contact police. And by the way, I would not have a problem with that at all. You know, 100% no problem with that. If people like that, you find out who they are, you send it to police. I, I think that's fine. 100% fine with that. Police won't do anything, yeah. I don't believe that she did contact the FBI, though. Not quarter and giving quarter. <laughs> I get it. I get the fight with fire with fire. And the, you know, the Taylor Lorenz saying, there's been several bomb threats issued. I blame you. Libs of TikTok, wait, I get all sorts of threats all the time thanks to you. Taylor, but those threats aren't really violent like bomb threats are. <laughs> um, a recent NBC investigation found at least 33 instances where you posted about a specific person or institution, and that person or institution was immediately bombarded with death threats and violent threats, um, including bomb threats, other violent threats. By the way, that's not Chaya's fault. Right? That's not her fault. It's 100% not her fault. Just because she posts about something on the internet, that does not mean that she's suddenly responsible for what an ind individual then goes and does. This is like the dumbest argument. That's a pretty significant correlation. It's not a causation, though. It's not a correlation. It's not a, it's nothing. You can make the same argument about anybody in the mainstream press. What are you, you know, what are your thoughts yeah, on Yeah, I don't know if you saw, but I got, like, tons of death threats um, the past, this week, after the entire media machine came after me. So are they responsible for those? I think that's a very fair point. I don't think that there's um, the same correlation. Are you receiving bomb threats? I'm, I'm receiving death threats. Like, hi, I'm going to come murder you. Yeah, and I definitely sympathize with you there. Like, I get those literally, the article goes live, and then I get those threats. I get the same thing when a Fox News article goes live. So are the, is the journalist responsible, the journalist who posts the article? I would say... Um, she got her here. She got her here. You know, there's a different responsibility when we're talking about media. And I no, there's not. No, there's not. She's wearing the mask because she just got new dentures. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the 100% Chaya Raichik is right. It's, and this is like the, the, you know, this is like table stakes crap, you know, for anybody on the internet.
like we all know that like you're it's like the whole thing with Alex, you know? Why is he paying all this money for because some of his fans went and did something stupid? He are do people have free will or not? By the way, I don't think Fox News, other than that one time, really posted about Taylor Lorenz. Here's what my here's probably my my favorite outcome from the my favorite outcome from the interview though. She brought her own videographer. Okay. Where's the, I, th I want my favorite outcome or my favorite exchange. Where is it? Uh, here. This is how you know that the Taylor Lorenz is forever getting older meme is a hundred percent getting to her. How old are you? God, good question. I don't put it out on the internet. Oh, on purpose? Yeah. Why? Because people have done a lot of crazy shit to my family and... Name one thing. Name one thing. The, I don't put out my age, my birthday, look at you, you know how it is. I don't want I my... mean, I've said many times I'm 29. Yeah. She's 29? I thought she was older than that. I guess I don't want to put my birthday out there because I don't put my. I just well, you don't, don't put your birthday, just your age. Yeah, I don't put it out there. She's thirty-nine. Why? How does it affect your family? Well, it's my birthday. I don't want my birthday out there. That's my birthday's not out there either. It's not. Yeah, no. I guess mine is, and I don't want it. I don't want to confirm it. But it's not a. I mean, you can find. You. It's not hard to find my age if you Google. Mm -hmm. So. It's not like a secret or anything, but there is such an obsession with it, and I do think it's. Well, kind it's, of I think it's because you're so like secretive about it. I know. I think probably that so has a lot to do. With if you just said her age, I don't think anyone would care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's wearing a shirt with Taylor crying on it. Yeah, she's 39. Her birth, you know, the um, her MySpace profile says she's 58. <laughs> It's really gross watching this unfold. I feel like I'm in high school watching the Mean Girls act petty as AF. Yeah, I actually agree with that take. They were both acting petty. But, like, I think one of them has a reason to, you know? Like, Chaya absolutely has a reason to hate Taylor Lorenz based on the stuff she said about her. Taylor Lorenz doesn't really have... You know what I mean? Like Taylor Lorenz doesn't really have any reason to be as, you know, as aggressive. Gen Z is aging faster than millennials. Yeah. Yeah, she was born October 21st, 1984. It's public knowledge. She's 39. Oh my God, I just had a great idea. I just had a great idea, everybody. 
should we do should we do a yeah all taylor lorenz does is criticize women who are younger and more successful than her that's what she does um the we should have a big birthday celebration we should have a big Taylor Lorenz turns 40 special that gets like uploaded to the internet. Like I could send a big cake to her at the Washington post. Yeah. Yeah. See, yeah. I swells. Yeah. Yeah. Like we could do a big, yes. Chat. You knew where I was going there. Yeah. This October we could throw the biggest over the hill party. And in her honor, like I could get the like black rest in, like the black and silver banners for over the hill. I could send her like those candy boner pills from um, Spencer gifts. No comment about Chaya's t-shirt. I think here's what I'll say. I think it's funny. I think it's petty too, but I understand like. I don't know. I get it. It's funny. I don't like it. I think it's kind of, you know, it's kind of cringe, but like, I get why people think it's funny. A cake with a gravestone, black balloons, all of like the, all of the, like all the, like, yeah, all the stereotypical you're 40 now, a big four Oh, put as many numbers on the cake as humanly possible. <laughs> oh Yeah. Adult diapers, yeah. Yeah. Hire for a 40 member marching band to serenade her at work. <laughs> this would be great. Yeah, this would be great. No, it'll probably they probably have to like they probably have because she probably never actually goes in the office, you know. <laughs> They'd have to like go outside of her house, which would get a little dicey. That's a little in, in, that's a little intrusive. I'll see I'll see if she'll come on. She probably won't, but you never know. Taylor Lorenz's birthday bash. Forty isn't what it used to be. I remember when I was young and I thought 40 was like a million years old. I turned 40 and I feel exactly the same. I don't feel old at all. I know I know I am old, but I don't feel old. I wanted to talk about... Here, let's put this over here. Just throw a parade for her in her hometown. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. 40 paragliders. If I forget, like remind me around October, perhaps we'll do, perhaps we'll do something special. Jeremy, I'm 40 and feel old when I wake up with a backache and need for coffee to get going in the morning. The only thing that really changed, the only thing that really changed for me 
that like really made me feel old at 40 was um uh now i have to get up and pee in the middle of the night that's not something i used to do that's the only thing that that changed is i wake up at like 3 30 4 o'clock in the morning every day and i have to pee jack decker no one feels old i'm 61 i don't feel old yeah right All right. Terrible news. I tried to run full speed to catch a ball the other day and ran right into the ground. <laughs> yeah, well, that stuff will make... Yeah, I definitely can't move like I used to. That's, that's 100% true. That... that that stuff makes me feel old. I have terrible news for everybody. Well, this is terrible news for me. And if you care about my feelings, I hope you'll leave a like on this video too. Give me a virtual pat on the back and tell me it's going to be okay. It looks like at least according to some new cryptic messaging from Brie Larson, is that Marvel is done with her and done with Captain Marvel. I don't know what to say. Brie Larson's various meltdowns during the initial Captain Marvel press tour were one of the biggest growth periods of my life other than the growth spurt I experienced between fifth and sixth grade, which was so quick that I remember my legs hurting. Now it's all over. How did we get here? How did we possibly get here? The Marvel star Brie Larson shares a blunt response when asked about her future as Captain Marvel. With a so-so 62% on Rotten Tomatoes and a mere $206.1 million at the worldwide box office, the Marvels failed to live up to expectations last November and now Marvel Studios' lowest grossing movie in history. <sighs> I always knew this was going to happen. I remember... You know, it was one of the things that the people like the woke crowd would always accuse me of not like giving her her flowers for the Marvels making, I'm sorry, Captain Marvel making a billion dollars. I always knew that film would make an immense amount of money at the box office given that was the height of the superhero craze. You can look at a movie like Aquaman, which in its own right is a fine movie, but by no stretch of the imagination should have made over a billion dollars, but it did. You can make the exact same argument for Captain Marvel. A fine movie, a fine girl power movie that wasn't inherently the worst thing I'd ever seen. Far better when compared to the Marvels, far better than the Marvels. But that movie had no right to make a billion dollars either. 
it's still hard to say what all went wrong. Well, I told you, I knew this movie was going to tank. Everybody knew this movie was going to tank. There is a general malaise around superhero movies. Do I think Deadpool will do okay? Yes. I don't think it'll make anywhere near a billion dollars. 600 to 700 million would probably be pretty good. I could be wrong about that. I'm wrong all the time, you know, but I just, I think it will do well, but it's not going to make a billion dollars. Although Wolverine coming back, Hugh Jackman coming back, that is a thing. Anyway, Captain Marvel grossed over a billion dollars in 2019, and both Miss Marvel and Photon have taken center stage in two critically acclaimed Disney Plus shows. Well, let me stop you right there, comicbookmovie.com. Critics like a lot of terrible things. Every time I'm looking to watch a movie and I, I, I bring up, you know, I'm, I pull up Rotten Tomatoes and I sort by reviews, critics are giving all sorts of trash 90 to 100%. If you think just because the critics liked it, it was supposed to be a box office smash, well, I mean, you must be a movie critic. We can all take guesses, of course. Captain Marvel probably should have been somewhere in the title, yes. While the marketing campaign definitely underwhelmed, as for the movie itself, the story felt too small in scale and ultimately wasn't the sort of massive event which gets people into the theaters these days. So what do you mean it's hard to tell? Bad title, bad movie. Carol Danvers' actress Brie Larson spent years fending off sexist trolls online and seems to have grown disillusioned with the space in the MCU. Last year, comments of the Oscar winner wondering whether or not anyone wanted her back as Captain Marvel quickly went viral. Appearing at the SAG Awards over the weekend, Larson was asked what she can say about her Marvel future and her response was quick and to the point. I don't have anything to say about that. Zoics. She says at the end of the video, doing the rounds to promote. Now, this is the, the, other, the other quote. This one is perhaps more concerning. Doing the rounds to promote the Marvels, Larson was asked a similar question and said, quote, I don't want Marvel to come after me, but there is something. There is definitely something to answer your question that I would want to say, but I'm not going to. Has something changed since? It's hard to speculate, particularly the Marvels underperformed drastically. It's also no secret that the movie was a victim of extensive changes during, made, during refilming and post-production. So what? Make a better movie up front then, you know? We'd expected Captain Marvel to be a huge part of the next Avengers movies, especially with Monica Rambeau that nobody cares about trapped in the X-Men universe. With Destin Daniel Crenton no longer helming the Avengers, the Kang dynasty, and Michael Walden rewriting the script, a lot might have changed. The Marvel's Carol Danvers, a.k.a. Captain Marvel, have reclaimed her identity from the tyrannical Kree and revenge on supreme intelligence, but unintended consequences see Carol shouldering the burden of a destabilized universe. 
With her duties, blah, 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 blah. Movie stars Brie Larson, Tayana Paris, Iman Vellani, Samuel L. Jackson. Nobody cares about any of these people anymore. Samuel L. Jackson is like, you know, he's just a meme now. You see, pure speculation of her being disillusioned. There's nothing substantial to back that up. They just haven't told her where Carol goes next. Until then, they figured the next story is post-Deadpool and Wolverine. She looked amazing. If they use actual competent writers instead of Disney's social justice activist writers, Captain Marvel would have actually been epic. It had all the ingredients. An intergalactic war between two alien species. We barely got any of that. Perception is reality. You know, that that's ultimately it. Brie is a talent and should have been treated that way. Can't lie. The way no one from Marvel defended her, that's a lie. Tons of people did. And Naya in public during these last few months have been bogus. I'm not sure what you would be defending her from. I, as far as I know, you know, you could correct me if I'm wrong in the comment in the comments. But there was really no Brie Larson hate this time around. Like I, I there really wasn't. What these movies, what's really hamstrung these movies more than anything is they're insanely high budgets. You can see Marvel and DC need to take some notes. Dune 2 has an insanely high production budget, but it's still less than the MCU's biggest flop, the Marvels. And by the way, that movie had like $100 million in tax credits or something like that. The Marvels only grossed $206 million from theaters, the lowest for an MCU movie, and could not recoup its production budget. Interestingly, Dune 2's budget is more than the production budget of Dune 1, which had a production budget of $165 million. The insane production budget of Dune 2 is still lower than the Marvels. Where did all that money go? You know, where did all that money go? $190 million for Dune 2. By the way, Dune got kind of screwed. It didn't. I don't think Dune made its money back, did it? The original Dune? I don't think it did amazing at the box office. The Marvels was over $270 million. Over $270 million. I mean, I think that ultimately, after basically having the, you know, the Marvels is the officially the lowest grossing MCU movie in history and probably will always maintain that title, almost certainly. It's difficult to know exactly where this is going to go. You see various combinations of factors affecting the successes of the Marvels. The reception was mostly mixed meaning that even among critics, the views on whether or not the movie was good or not in the first place was vastly polarizing. Many fans outright stated the effects of the superhero fatigue are to blame and the fact that the writing quality has decreased severely from MCU's golden days. In an unprecedented decision, even Bob Iger commented on the bomb of the century, admitting that the studio needs to focus on quality over quantity, and soon after that statement, it was revealed that they would be rebooting the MCU. I mean, they're going back to male focus now because that's, you know, who was paying to see him in the first place. They tried desperately to make it a girl boss world and 
that's fine. The girls that were interested in that came out. Instead of making them girl bosses, though, they just made women like men. Instead of making women unique. You know, it's, wi it's wild to me. It says here that MCU's golden is an unprecedented decision. Iger commented on it, on the focus on quality. And then soon after that statement, it was revealed that Deadpool and Wolverine would be the only movie to be released in 2024 in an attempt to revitalize the interest and the franchise. But how did Brie react to all that during the 2024 Screen Actors Guild Awards? She was asked, and she answered with grace and real, realist, and realistically, quote, I think there's still much inside of Carol. I feel like getting to be in on this team just cracked her open in a way that she hadn't been. I really loved that for her. I just loved her letting the shoulders drop a little bit and not needing to feel all the responsibility was on her. So I think there is so much more to go. However, now that the Marvels has flopped, her performance wasn't all that commented with fans and mostly recognizing that the whole movie was the issue as the story, villain, setting, and overall experience were subpar. Meanwhile, Miss Marvel did set herself up for a future in the MCU, and nobody cares about Miss Marvel either. Like, it's just, it's just like, a, you know, a tiny group of people. That's who Miss Marvel's for. And that's fine. She can exist. I mean, obviously, she can exist. But, you know, I think this is probably the end of the MCU. Almost certainly. Either that or they go vastly smaller budget, which is also a fine solution. An absolutely fine solution. We'll have to wait and see, I guess. By the way, shout out to King, the King of Biltong. Good afternoon from Anton's in Roanoke, Texas. Free shipping on your Biltong with code the Q, one word. On Biltong USA and Anton USA, Biltong, a perfect pairing for high-protein keto and carnivore diets. Big agree. I just finished my I just finished my last bag this morning, right before breakfast or right for, for breakfast. Lord of the Pants says, "Please get back in contact with Doomcock. He says he still wants to be on your show, but hasn't heard back from you. He said he DM'd you a couple times on Twitter. Okay, I'll have to take a look. I feel like I replied to him. So at this point, by the way, shout out to everyone who's been watching on Twitter, Facebook." Instagram, all these various places. I'm going to get into some more of the spicier topics, some of the more, uh, you know, uncensored topics in the rest of the show. Head on over to rumble.com slash C as in Charlie slash the quartering. One word to continue watching the show. So if you're on Twitter, come on over to Rumble. Or if you're on Facebook, come on over to Rumble. Instagram, come on over to Rumble. Uh, and we'll continue the show over there. Thanks for tuning in. Jeremy, um, wait, I bought him at a PC. Your code only gave me a 2% discount. I think it should be five, Jimwa. You should email me, thequartering at gmail.com. You should email me.
turn around. What do you think? You think you think we're done with Bree forever? You think we're done with Bree for history? It's all over. I think it's hard to say. Did anyone look into that you sent in the email about? You have to refresh my memory. You're going to talk about the Air Force guy. Um, what, the guy that lit himself on fire? I don't know what to think about that. I, I don't know. I mean, you've got to be like mentally ill to do that, right? I assume you've got some sort of deep, you know, mental issues. If that's, if, if that way, if you do that, if you turn yourself into a human candle, you've got to like, you've got to be like, some something like you've got some sort of um mental issues i would suspect for those of you that don't know there is a u.s serviceman i don't know what branch of the military does anybody know uh self-immolated so he lit himself on fire and just screamed out free palestine like what Like, by the way, it's a common misconception that people in the armed services are all right wing or conservative. That's very untrue. Uh, Lumpy Potato says, Big J, first of all, keep kicking ass. Second, this Wednesday, I will be interviewing Rumble CEO Chris about the new Rumble Cloud release. Should keep an eye on it. Okay, shout out Lumpy Potato. This flyboy's on fire. Uh, Moonman rants for the upcoming... Discount Brie Larson merch should be put on the Brie shed. Yeah. Oh, he was in the Air Force. Oh, yeah. Okay. I don't understand, like... I don't understand the logic there. Like, I remember famously, the first, like many people, the first time I learned about uh, like self-immolation was from the Rage Against the Machine record cover with the monk on it that was doing that, right? But like, nobody's going to remember this guy tomorrow and he died in perhaps the most painful way possible for a country in which he's probably never even been. Like, I don't understand. You've never even been to this country and you light yourself on fire and die in the most painful way possible. Yeah, the Vietnam monk, yeah. Monks self-immolated, were they mentally ill? Um, I would say, yeah. <laughs> I mean, 
I don't think that uh, doing that accomplishes anything. Like, I don't, I don't know. The uh, spontaneous combustion used to be a heavenly judgment. Now it's voluntary. BLM co-founder. Have you ever rode in Miss Quartering's plane? No, I don't fit in it. I'm too tall. Like, it's not a very big... Um... It's not a very big. Did I watch the video of that? Uh, what? Somebody lighting themselves on fire? No, I didn't. I, I imagine it's just as terrible as you would think. I bet you there's a moment in his eyes. Immediately when he lights the flame. Of instant regret. I'm sure there's instant regret. Like, immediate. Light, match, I immediately regret this. That's why they always end up trying to put themselves out. Although, it, that's not what the monks did, I think. They just sat there and burned. BLM co-founder who looks white to me. Is this a white woman? It took him about 10 tries. <laughs> oh, he didn't. He just stood there and burned. Oh my god. Yeah, I don't need to see that. I do not need to see that. Anyway, this white person <clears throat> who founded BLM called said if you are a Taylor Swift fan that you are racist and I don't even understand of course she got completely completely ratioed into oblivion like you, you look at this like white delusionalists are big mad about my Taylor Swift tweet from two weeks ago Anybody know how to share voice messages? And and like what? You asked for some relevancy, some relevancy and you got it and now you don't like it. You asked for some attention but now you now you don't like it. Why do I feel like this is some right-wing white supremacist conspiracy? The fact that the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. 
is there any end to like BLM's insanity? <laughs> I mean, this whole organization. Let's take a look at the tweet. Uh, why do I feel like it's slightly racist to be a Taylor Swift fan? 50 likes. I mean, let's just be honest. She's just racist and doesn't like white people. Right? Because if you drink Diet Coke, drive a Kia, drive a Kia like oranges, use a blue toothbrush, eat sushi, carry a book bag on your left shoulder, watch soccer, like to cook, have a bird feeder, use your rocking chair, own a TV, wear contacts, have pain in your knees, you could be racist. <coughs> Most of these replies are, you might be a piece of shit. Why would it be racist to be a Taylor Swift fan? Swifties tend to lean female. Lean? I'm sure they're mostly female and gay. Fe females and gay men are like, I'm sure, demographic one and two. And are suburban millennials. Because you're racist, you don't like white people. Good question for your therapist. Because you're racist, who judge... I mean, like, you know, by the way, this is, you know, BLM. You know, by large mansions. And then she's like, look at this person left me a mean voicemail. Everyone feel bad for me. Nope. 13 likes, 250,000 comments. BLM marketing strategy is say the worst possible thing for your cause. Yeah, that's probably not untrue. Turn around. What do you guys got? Uh, what do you all got planned f this week? Yelling at Jerry Seinfeld that he supports genocide. What do these people even do? How do these people even live? I am genuinely asking. Like, do these people, what do they think that that accomplishes? I, I don't understand. I don't understand. I, I legitimately do not understand the logic there. Like, what is that? What exactly is Jerry Seinfeld? They're all dumb idiots, useful idiots. You're out, you're out on a Sunday night. Sunday night at 8, 9 o'clock, you're out in the street screaming at Jerry Seinfeld about a war in two countries 5,000 miles away. A war he has nothing to do with other than the fact that he's, he happens to be Jewish. What do, what do they think this does for their cause? Oh, moving to Michigan this week. Shout out, Jolly. 
Raven Blacktop, working on my master's, taking my daughter to the mathnasium, dork. Going to PT, violin lessons, going to work on my tractor, RC, play more Helldivers, nice. It's like, um, it's like, uh, is he endorsing it? Oh, I haven't seen it. It doesn't matter. Like, ultimately, when you're Jerry, like, who are these people and what do they have going on in their lives that they think this, hey, this is, this is going to be productive. I'm going to go burn down a small city in Wisconsin, Kenosha. Then people will listen. Then people, then people will definitely agree with my cause. I don't understand. I don't understand. Let's talk about this. You know, words, they're very dangerous things. And when those words are coming from a very pregnant woman who is still out there working, doing um, her comedy tour, then you must definitely spray them with pepper spray if you are offended by their words. That is the leftist logic that led to a female comedian whose act is, I would say, like, I won't say it's like anti-woke. It's just like, it can be offensive. It could be like, you know, she has a, a propensity to kind of make fun of leftists and things of that nature. So somebody reacted, somebody who is very pregnant decided that they had to pepper spray her. Just the compassionate left at it once again. You see this article, pregnant comedian attacked after comedy show. Unfortunately, the practice of going after comedians and their jokes seems to be gaining traction. On February 24th, 2024, Chrissy Mayer, who is known for her edgy brand of comedy, finished a performance at the Dojo of Comedy in Morris Plains, New Jersey, and she was attending a meet and greet. Someone went after her and some of the attendees with pepper spray and ran away like a true hero would. A true hero would pepper spray a woman who is extremely pregnant and then run away. In an next post, which you can read below, um, if you're unfamiliar with Chrissy Mayer's humor, she uses some words that may offend you, so read with caution. She says that everyone appears to be okay, thankfully. Also, aside from being a horrible thing to do to anyone, bear in mind that Chrissy Mayer is pregnant. So she tweeted, After my comedy show... Uh, during tonight's meet and greet, some cowardly bundle of sticks, I'm assuming, pepper sprayed me and the area, sending many of us into coughing fits, teary eyes, and running for the doors for fresh air. It seems everything's, everyone's okay. We're still trying to figure out who did it and why. It's just a really effed up thing to do in a crowd, which happens to include a very pregnant woman. The worst part about pepper being pepper sprayed after my show is that they waited 
like an absolute puss bag and pepper sprayed me after the show. I mean, I, I don't even understand like how somebody like thinks this is a good thing. Like how somebody thinks that this is a stunning and brave thing to do. It is extremely wild. You know, and, and, you know, you know, I don't know if they're ever going to find this person. Usually the police don't seem to care about this kind of thing. You can see this sort of thing that Jake, who says he's going to our tour soon, finds very funny. You can see the craft, what this person laughing about it. Um, there is no, like, there's literally no thing that is off limit when you're a leftoid ideologue, you know? I mean, look at what's happened to comedy, essentially. If we go even to Sam Tripoli posted this, holy crap, this club just canceled all my favorite comics because they consulted with local comedians, decided that it was not a good idea to host shows. Kurt Metzger writing, I'm sorry, but this is too funny not to immediately put on blast. Also, am I mistaken that the club is in Seattle's historic Chaz district? Kurt looks up towards heaven. Thank you, George Floyd, for the fun I'm about to have with this on Twitter after I take a quick dump BRB. So they put this out. This is a comedy club. After careful considerations and discussions with our team, investors, local comedians, and neighborhood advocacy groups, we have encountered a challenging situation that requires us to revisit the planned shows. Capitol Hill is known for its progressive values, and we've received significant feedback expressing concerns about the alignment of these upcoming shows with the neighborhood's ethos. This feedback includes concerns from our local advocacy groups that are deeply embedded in our community and will work towards upholding its values. By the way, when this place goes out of business in two years, I will shed no tears. Because that's, that's essentially what's going to happen. Given the feedback and to avoid any potential negative impact on both our club and the artists involved, as well as to maintain the harmony within our community, we believe the most responsible course of action is to move forward, not to move forward, with shows for Dave Smith on April 11th, Luis J. Gomez, May 31st through June 1st, Jim Florentine, and sadly, Kurt Metzger on October 11th and 12th as well. This decision was not made lightly, and we want to ensure that it does not reflect on your talent and the quality of your work, but instead on a reflection on our commitment to our community's values. Seattle Comedy Club cancels four unwoke comments. You know, this is from Fridays. You know, I, I guess, you know, Seattle Comedy Club just canceled four comedians from its winter and spring schedule after careful consideration. Metzger, the co-host of the Jimmy Dore Show, shared an update on his Seattle appearance on his ex account, warning adult language. The note from Jess Anderson, the club's owner and booker, doesn't directly explain why any of the four comedians are not suitable to be heard in the club 
It's not a matter of poor ticket sales either, as some of the shows were still several weeks away and in theory could sell out between now and then. These comedians tell the wrong jokes. There's no other explanation. This is via Hollywood and Christian Toto over on Hollywood and Toto. Metzger is a, biz, uh, is a show business veteran, an Emmy-winning writer, with credits including Inside Amy Schumer, gross, and Chappelle Show. He also works alongside Door, routinely deconstructs media narratives of the left, right, and center. Florentine has also has decades in stand-up comedy and provided voices for Comedy Central's Crank Anchors program. The gig included voicing Special Ed, a mentally challenged puppet who was memory-holed by Comedy Central's YouTube channel. I remember that. Dave Smith, the libertarian comedian and podcast host of the Part of the Problem podcast, he's graced such problematic podcasts such as the Joe Rogan Experience and Tim Pool IRL. Gomez, part of the Legion of Skanks podcast, is the founder of Gas Digital Pod ne Podcast Network and is arguably the most irrelevant of the court, irreverent, sorry, of the quartet. Gomez took the cancellation stride, noting it's hardly the only comedy club that refuses to book him. Yes. On today's real podcast, but to be fair, they're right. it's their right to book whoever they want. They weren't particularly bad about it. I'll find another venue. I would not have chosen to make a stink about this. There are plenty of venues that will not book us. I'm not always familiar. I'm not as familiar with a lot of these people, you know. Anderson would stand up herself, offered a, who is a stand up herself, offered a laughable defense of the art form in her note. Quote, we truly value the art of comedy and the diverse perspectives it brings our lives. Her, regular, her club regularly features open mic comedians who, uh, and who knows what they might say given on any given night. Capitol Hill also shares a regular showcase dubbed Queers to the Front. Celebrate a vibrant voice of the queer community with a specially curated open mic night at Queers to the Front. We amplify stories, jokes, and narratives of marginalized voices. I mean, I, this is just bad business, you know, in general. I don't know why any of these people would want to go to Seattle in the first place. Like, I mean, honestly, if I had to choose between going downtown Seattle, Portland, or New York, that would be one of, that'd be like, a, I mean, that is, that's like Sophie's choice level of difficult decisions. Any one of them, I, I, there's a high per percentage chance that I won't come back alive. It, it is, it is wild. Um, you know, when you're Kurt Metzger, he's somebody that kind of makes fun of everybody. But when you live in these weirdo bubbles, you know, with a lot of these, when you like live your life with these leftist ideologies, even if somebody is, you know, fair, so to speak, you know, somebody who makes fun of all sides, you can't take it. You know, you can't. Um, you can't take somebody who makes fun of both sides. It has to be exclusively the right or not at all, you know, and ultimately the short path, you know, the political humor, this, that, and the other thing, it kind of, um, was a shortcut for a lot of hacky comedians to get in front of a mic. And now I fear that, you know, with Trump in the presidential race, again, we may see another rise of these lame Trump jokes over and over and over again. Uh, but you know, certainly these clubs, it's their choice not to have these people. That's fine. The state of comedy has basically never been worse, but there are outliers out there who are doing a good job. I'm glad that, uh, comedian Chrissy Mayer was unharmed 
by this lunatic. And um, I'm sure these other individuals will all be able to find, you know, suitable alternatives almost certainly. Kurt doesn't do pedophile humor. <laughs> well, I think... Wait a second. Doobie, doobie, doo. I wanted to check if there's any other stories I missed. Don't think I did. This guy murdered this guy murdered a mom and a daughter coming home from a Drake concert. They're both dead. He was released on twenty thousand dollars bail. He's already out. Killed those killed these two women. No big deal. Nobody cares anymore. Nobody cares about people anymore. <laughs> Don't cheer the spat of media layoffs. Newspapers are essential to our republic, says a dying newspaper. Nick having 5,200 donors who heavily donate to Democrats. Oh, yeah, I'm not surprised by that. Yeah. Well, I think that's where we're going to wrap it up today. I've got five standalone videos to upload still. Uh, so I'm going to get working on that right away, immediately. We'll be back again. Tomorrow at 1 Eastern in 22 hours. So I hope to see you again. Make sure to get here early. We'll see you tomorrow.